0: Yeah, this is Michael Sweet from Striper, and you are listening to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. God
1: bless you. A Christian shouldn't seek to become a Jew, nor should a Jew seek to run from their identity as a Jew. The Jew should continue in their heritage, and the non-Jew should continue in their heritage because we're one new man and God loves diversity. Hi, I am glad that
0: you are here. This is episode 105 of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Michael. Sweet for that introduction. Well, last week's conversation at onfaithsedge.com 104 with Michael certainly generated a lot of feedback mainly around the title of Striper's most recent project. Listener Kurt Stone said sometimes people of faith can be frivolous and stupid. And Frank Wren said hearing the title of their album is just harsh on the ears. I understand what they meant, but Striper didn't have to go there. Gosh, as as Christians, why do we care so much about things like this? that's a genuine question. Not judgmental. I just really, really want to know. In James, it says, uh, pure religion is to look after orphans and widows. Titus says, avoid foolish controversies. They're no good and useless. Why aren't we spending our energy feeding orphans and widows instead of wasting time fighting about album titles and baptism and drinking alcohol and music whether music should be played in a church or whether the music's too loud or whether it should be rock and roll or whether it should be hymns and politics and whether uh you have to be a republican or a democrat to be a christian i i just don't i just don't get how much how much time we waste on this instead of doing good let's do better let's do good Some weekend, go find an unbelieving friend. If you don't have one, go make one. You and him go down to the shelter and feed the homeless breakfast. Clean up the dining room, stack the chairs, take the garbage out. Then after you're good and tired, go to lunch together. Tell them about your love for Jesus Christ and how Jesus loves him. Man, I really am feeling convicted about this. The arguing and the fighting that we do over crazy stuff just, it seems like a waste of physical mental and spiritual energy do me a favor go to slash contact and let me know what you think i really really want to know wow i am excited for you to hear today's guest rabbi jonathan Burnus. this is a subject that that has been on my heart for a long time Uh, how christians treat the jewish people why jews don't believe in jesus christ Uh, So I asked Jonathan to come on the show, and Jonathan Jonathan is a Jewish believer in Jesus. He's a leader in the Messianic Jewish ministry for more than 30 years. He's the president of Jewish Voice Ministries International at jewishvoice.org, whose mission is to proclaim the gospel, grow the Messianic Jewish community, and engage the church concerning Israel and the Jewish people. Jonathan and I sat down at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention a few months back in February. You're going to hear a reference to that. We sat down uh, in February and talked about why Jews reject Jesus as the Messiah. We talk about why the Jewish people hold a special place in God's heart and the dangerous path Christians walk by not honoring his chosen people. Jonathan even puts another brick in my wall of faith in God. <laughs> and finally, how his wanting to hang out with Christian girls ultimately led him to Jesus. Explain the Messianic Jewish movement, what it means to, to mainstream Christianity, sure, and how the two dovetail together.
1: So let me begin by with the origins of Messianic Judaism. There's two answers. One is we're about 2,000 years old, give or take a few years. Because when you go back and read... The New Testament, the Gospels, particularly, without the lens of history, without a 2,000 year history that divides Christianity and Judaism, you see a very different Christianity. And I'm using that word lightly. You see Jewish people coming to faith in, we call him by his Hebrew name, Yeshua, Jesus, as the one promised in their own scriptures. They never convert to Christianity. There is no Christianity, in fact. They are followers of the Nazarene, of the way, whatever you want to call it. And that's true not only of the the original disciples, but of the 3,000 saved shortly thereafter at Pentecost. or It's the Hebrew uh, celebration, the Jewish celebration of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, which was a pilgrimage feast. They were all in commanded to come to Jerusalem, and the 5,000 that the Bible talks about in the book of Acts coming to faith over the years that follow, they are all Jews or proselytes to Judaism. Even Paul, who my father taught me growing up in a Jewish home, was the founder of Christianity, it turns out was an Orthodox Jewish rabbi who declares, "I've as the apostle to the Gentiles, I've never... Abandoned the traditions of my fathers. I've been faithful to the traditions of my fathers. So he kept his Jewish identity. Christianity is only, Christian is only mentioned three times in the New Testament and much later on in history. So the first answer is all of the first believers were Messianic Jews. They were Jews that had found the promised Messiah from their own scriptures. Second answer is uh, a later dating post-1967, which we connect to the restoration of Jerusalem after the Six-Day War, and the outbreak of a revival called the Charismatic Renewal, in which hundreds of Jewish people came to faith in Christ and began to deal with the issue of being Jewish. Now, Joe, you need to understand, as someone raised In a Jewish home I didn't have a strong faith in God But I had a very strong faith in my identity I was born Jewish I was taught that I would die a Jew That being Jewish meant something Although it didn't necessarily have to connect to God It was about the preservation of the Jewish people And so these young Jewish believers in Jesus Began to deal with that And Messianic Judaism emerged out of that We are a movement Now a denomination 45 years later Of Jews who believe that Jesus is our promised Messiah, promised in many Old Testament scriptures written hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. But we don't believe we've converted to another religion. We're still Jews, as those first century followers of Christ were Jews. And so we retain the celebration of the feasts of Leviticus 23, you know, the cycle of of our feasts, Shabbat. Um, Many keep the biblical dietary laws because we understand that this is our heritage and it's not, ex- it, it, it's not something we have to give up to embrace Jesus, Yeshua, as our Messiah. And many who aren't Jewish have now joined our congregations and we have congregations all over the world now, hundreds of them. Uh, it's a growing uh, movement and it's just a different understanding of who Jesus was and is and what he taught—it's—it's—it's—it's not—it's um, not heretical to mainstream Christian views. It just gives a place for Jewish identity. Let me just say something else, Joe. If the, if you in Acts chapter fifteen, um, there was a council, the Jerusalem Council, and the big debate, and it was—I can tell you because I know a lot of. most of my friends are Jewish and a lot are Israelis there was a lot of arguing a lot of yelling it was it was a hotly debated issue what do we do with Gentiles those who are not Jewish that have now embraced our Messiah and the answer was we don't make them become Jews they've been given salvation. They found salvation through our Messiah, through the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Messiah he sent for us. We don't want to force them to be Jewish. Today, it's completely reversed. What do we do with Jews who want to retain their identity as Jews and believe in their Messiah? And um, that's what we're still dealing with today.
0: Is observing the Jewish traditions critical to the Messianic Jewish movement?
1: Yeah, so we're not legalistic. We're not, we don't, there's a few that are quite orthodox, but we have a very wide range. Just like the, if you look at Judaism, there's a wide range, a wide spectrum of, of adherence. Same in Christianity, from more liberal to very fundamentalist. But I think that we are unified by understanding that the, the feasts of the holidays of Judaism have incredible value uh, for us cur- today, As followers of Jesus because they were road signs that pointed to him like Passover uh, where we remember the Exodus out of Egypt and the Passover lamb that was sacrificed well Jesus is the Passover lamb it's revealed in the new covenant in particular the book of John that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world Joe what does that mean You understand what it means when you go back to Exodus 12 and you look at the whole picture of the Passover lamb without spot, without blemish. That's talking about sin uh, in the prime of life that's sacrificed to cover the doorposts of the houses of the children of Israel so the angel of death would pass over. That's a picture of eternal life that Jesus brings us. So when he says in John, I'm the door, he's talking about the Passover door. All that comes to light. So this is a Beautiful way to, to deepen your faith as a Christian, to understand the connection between the Old and the New Testament, and the Jewish holidays or the feasts of the Lord are part of that. So they're an important thing for, for Messianic Jews.
0: Why don't Jews accept Jesus Christ? It seems that He has fulfilled the prophecies, pretty clearly, fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament that point to the Messiah.
1: Well, that's a, that's a great question. So you have to understand that we look at the prophecies with the hindsight of believing in the New Testament. So we're going back and we're seeing, of course, Isaiah 53 is talking about Jesus despised and rejected, a man of sorrows who was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Or uh, we look at Daniel 9 where it talks about the Messiah being cut off, dying, but not for his own sins. Uh, and so on, uh, Psalm 22. Jews have lived under a two thousand year old decision set by the Pharisees, the rabbis of that day, that Jesus was not the Messiah, and so Judaism over the years evolved into a into a um, reaction to Christian uh, evangelism, proselytizing, and defined Judaism as not believing in jesus and then goes has gone back to texts that are connected with the messiah but the messiah's return for example isaiah 11 talks about a, a, a kingdom of peace a state of world peace where the wolf and the lamb are laying down together. The child is playing with a poisonous stake, snake. And they point to that and say, Jesus could not have been the Messiah because we don't have peace today in the world. They don't understand the concept of a, of a return. You know, They think that's made up. Well, Jesus wasn't the Messiah, so Christ, he didn't fulfill the prophecy, so Christians invented this idea that he had to come back. We have the revelation of the new covenant, which talks about him having to return again, to complete the prophecies of the Messiah's redemption of the world. Now, interesting thing, the rabbis of old looked at these prophecies that portrayed the Messiah as a suffering servant who would be rejected and cut off, and the Messiah who would come as in victory. And they saw that they were contrary, so they said there must be two Messiahs. Messiah, the son of Joseph, who, like Joseph, would be imprisoned, betrayed by his brothers, and Messiah ben David, who, like King David, would be the great ruling king. They, were, they weren't that far off, Joe. It wasn't two messiahs each coming one time. It was one messiah that had to come twice. It's interesting that you say that
0: part of the Jewish identity is that they don't believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. That is, that is part of what makes them
1: Jewish. Today it is. But understand, and, and I 'm a good example because I was raised in a Jewish home i didn't not believe in Jesus; he just wasn 't an option for me it's not that I actively said I know he 's not the Messiah. I just said he 's not an option for me he 's the God of Christianity but when some when people began to show me who he really was, and then I went back and to read the New Testament, I said this This is different than I was taught. This is not the God of Christianity. This is what could be more Jewish than a Messiah born of Jewish parents in the Jewish homeland of Israel, prophesied in the Jewish scriptures. This is so Jewish, and I was taught that the New Testament wasn't relevant for us. So in reality, most Jewish people haven't rejected Jesus. They've just never considered him and never read their own scriptures. There's biblical illiteracy in Judaism, with the exception of the 20% ultra-Orthodox, it's really more like 15%, 20% in Israel. We're just, we're just not biblically literate. And if, if, if Jewish people would go back and read their own scriptures, let alone the New Testament, read Isaiah, read Jeremiah, read the five books of Moses, the Torah, with an open mind, Messiah is found throughout.
0: How important is it for the non-Jewish Christian to observe Jewish traditions and uh, the festivals?
1: Well, the idea that the Christian holidays are pagan and should be uh, removed from Christianity and that the right path, the only right path, is for Christians to observe the, the feasts of Leviticus 23, the Jewish holidays, I think I don't adhere to that. I think that's a mistake. I think there's rich... There's just a richness in Christian history, uh, and the meaning of the the holidays associated with Christianity are really important. Easter is really important if you focus on the resurrection, or Christmas on the birth of the Messiah. The days correct? I, I don't know. I th- so out of compulsion, it's absolutely not a. It's not binding on Christians by any means. I think there's tremendous value. In learning about the Jewish feasts, which I think are wider, they're the feasts of the Lord, and learning how Jesus is at the center of the Passover, how Jesus connects with Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, how how he fulfills first fruits and the relationship between the New Testament and Pentecost. That's of great value for Christians, I think, because it will deepen, it deepens our relationship with with our Savior, who is the Messiah of Israel. He's the King of the Jews. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And I think there's great, great value, not only in learning about it, but actually having a Passover Seder and proclaiming uh, Christ as the Passover Lamb without blemish and how all of the different elements of the Seder have meaning for the, the follower of the New Covenant, of the New Testament. That's, that's what I advocate for, not this legalistic, you must do this, you must do that, you must keep the dietary laws. I think that's a wrong direction. It's legalism.
0: Yeah, and in fact, the New Testament speaks to that, talking about the Judaizers, those believers in, in Jesus, those Jewish believers in, in Jesus, who thought that the right path is for the Gentiles to first convert to Judaism and then become Christian, for sure. It's contrary
1: way. to act the Acts fifteen decision that right. they. I believe they clearly heard from the Holy Spirit. So it was contrary to that. It, it, I just want to also mention, Joe. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that they can't do those things if they desire, but I, they they shouldn't be forced to do them They're out compelled. of They shouldn't yeah. be compelled to do them, and it shouldn't have any connection to their salvation at all. Their salvation, their righteousness, is through faith alone by grace through faith are we saved that that's that's a key foundational understanding of the new covenant that jesus died for us and purchased us became unrighteous so that we might be made righteous if you that plus nothing so that's that's really important to point out that our righteousness is from him alone But anyone who feels called by God to do those things, that's great, and it can deepen our relationship with the Lord, but not compelled to do those things. And a a, a, a Christian shouldn't seek to become a Jew, nor should a Jew seek to to, to run from their identity as a Jew. I think the Bible's pretty clear that the Jew should continue in their heritage, and the non-Jew should continue in their heritage because we're one new man and God loves diversity.
0: This is uh, February of 2018, as we're talking. We're coming up to Purim. I think it's appropriate to tell us a little bit about Purim.
1: Yeah, great story. It's not a major Levitical holiday, like the cycle of in the cycle of the year, but it's a it's a it's an um, an observance that we're commanded to keep from the book of Esther. It's a great little book that uh, tells the story of this. Uh, Young girl, an orphan who's raised by her Jewish uncle, and she's beautiful, and she's hiding her identity because she really has a Jewish background, and she ends up becoming the queen of this of the, the Persian Empire, and she has access to the king. And then there's this evil, uh, this evil figure, uh, Haman who tries to destroy the Jewish people. By the way, it's a picture of Jewish history. One Antichrist, one evil ruler after another, trying to destroy, to eradicate the Jewish people. We have to talk about that also, because the existence of the Jewish people through history is one of the greatest signs that that God's word is real, that God's alive. It's a proof of the existence of God. But Haman tries to destroy the Jewish people, and the story is that Esther is the one that's chosen for such a time as this to go before the king and to make him aware of this plot. And in the end, the Jews are victorious, which, by the way, is a picture of the Jewish holidays. Uh, I, this is a joke, but all the Jewish holidays are the same. They tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. Uh, and Purim is no exception. Uh, so we, we it's, it's, a, it's a celebration of God's preservation of the Jewish people and this this heroine, uh, Esther, who uh, goes before the king and pleads the case of the Jewish people. And I believe there's a prophetic picture of the church's role to intercede for the Jewish people. And there's a verse in Romans chapter 11 that says the Gentiles have been given salvation to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. So I talk a lot about that in my ministry. The idea that, the, that Christians have a responsibility to bless the Jewish people.
0: I think the Bible is very clear that the Jewish people hold a special place in God's heart. I don't, I don't care about fairness. I don't care about favoritism. I don't care about any of that. I think the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, is very clear that the Jewish people hold a special place in God's heart. How that manifests itself, I don't know. That's up to him. We have a responsibility to the Jewish people to honor that position as God's chosen people.
1: Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I don't, you can't read the Bible literally and avoid that. You can't just pick and choose. Well, I'm going to believe this, but not that. I always mention this whenever I have the opportunity that God does not love Jews more than Arabs or Israelis more than Palestinians. He doesn't. He loves everyone equally. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But God is also sovereign. He can do what he wants, when he wants, the way he wants. He doesn't have to ask our permission. Amen, brother. And in God's sovereignty, <laughs> he said the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have been chosen to be a blessing to the world and to, re- to be the recipients eternally of this sliver of land. It's about the size of New Jersey. And that land is contested to this day. Everyone's screaming in the UN and the nations of the world. It's not fair. They don't have the right to the land. Well, God gave them a land grant in his sovereignty. And he said, this people will be the apple of my eye. And this people will continue in a destiny that I've set for them and I will remain faithful to them. And Christians, you have to—you have a responsibility to stand alongside of them. And that's repeated over and over again in Scripture. So how do you ignore that, Joe? You can't.
0: I think we're walking down a dangerous path, quite honestly, Jonathan, by not honoring that.
1: We do, and I think that this is an evil doctrine that, from the inception of the church, or early on in the church this doctrine that the, God's finished with the Jewish people, replacement theology, has really been detrimental, not just to the Jewish people, but to the church. The missed blessing that the church has been offered by blessing back the Jewish people was lost with replacement theology. Blame the Jews for the death of Christ. God's finished with them, Replace them with a, a new people, the church. They are consigned to eternal damnation, and out of that, we have the Crusades, we have the Spanish Inquisition, the Holocaust, in the name of Christ and Christianity, and that's a very, very sad, unfortunate legacy.
0: I, I am a recovering atheist. Uh, those that hear the beginning of my show, that's what I call myself, a recovering atheist. My, I, I live in constant cynicism of, on, my, on faith, uh, about belief in God, and belief in Jesus Christ. And uh, the existence of God, but that cynicism and that skepticism, Jonathan, drives my faith. It makes it stronger. I know it's I know it's ironic, but it makes does. total
1: sense to me. It I does. get it.
0: You have just put a. I believe you may have just put another brick on my wall of apologetics. You said the evidence of the Jewish people is proof that God exists.
1: Absolutely. In fact, Mark Twain said it was the, the single greatest proof of the existence of God when he toured Israel. Uh, the Jewish people have been the target of repeated efforts to destroy them. Look at the story of Pharaoh in Egypt, killing the firstborn males to wipe out the line of Israel. Look at Herod trying to destroy the firstborn. Look at the story of, of Purim. And Haman trying to destroy the Jewish people. Hitler, throughout history, efforts to destroy the Jewish people. Yet despite that, the Jewish people have not only survived, but they've thrived. And Israel, this little tiny land, surrounded this 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 island of democracy and a sea of Islam has survived despite all these efforts to push the Jewish people into the sea. Not only survived, but prospered. 2,000 years of wandering without a homeland without a common language because Hebrew was lost. This is unheard of. How is it possible that this that these this small population, a one quarter of 1% of the world's population, banished from nation to nation wandering, has survived and actually been restored to their land, and the answer is God. The only answer is God. And the promise in Jeremiah 31 that as long as the sun shines by day and the moon and stars by night, I will preserve this people as a nation before me. That's the declaration. And I will regather you back to your land. It's happened, Joe. This is a miracle. It's a modern miracle. It's Bible prophecy fulfilled before our very eyes.
0: When was your line in the sand moment if you had one? You grew up in a non-Christian Jewish home. When did you say... Yeah, this Jesus is something more than what I think he is.
1: Well, it was a journey. In high school, I heard, I went to Christian groups because I, lo- I love the girls that were going yeah. there. That's the honest truth. I just <laughs> For the girls. But I heard the stories of Jesus, and I thought, this Christianity is a really cool God. He's more personable than ours. Ours did miracles in, in, in our history, but then departed. So that was, th- Christian girls seeds. is a
0: common theme. I just spoke with Daniel Roebuck. Christian girls. And, and, and he said the same thing. He said, yeah. I started going to these groups because uh, I like the girls.
1: Yes. And I married a beauty, by the way, <laughs> from Brazil. Uh, so that was, the, the, those seeds were planted in my heart. But when anyone tried to preach to me, I said, I'm Jewish. So, and they apologized. They were reinforcing my erroneous view that Jesus wasn't an option for me. But then in college, like the other kids of my era, I got involved in the craziest things. I was searching for God. Drugs and Hare Krishna and cults and the occult. The Bible says that Jewish people have a zeal for God but without knowledge. And so I was looking in all the wrong places until a girlfriend uh, became a believer and was completely transformed. And I was so compelled by the changes I saw with her. I went to her Bible study group and then I began to read the New Testament, it was over. That's when I faced the reality that Jesus Christ was not the son of Mr. and Mrs. Christ, the God of Christianity, but the Mas- <laughs> my Messiah, Yeshua, and all of the first followers of Jesus were all like me, Jews that had, had encountered the one that our prophets spoke of. And then I started to find all, my own, all the prophecies in my own scriptures. And that's when my life changed.
0: Finally, as we wrap up, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge? Making that choice to believe or not to believe
1: in God, I would say, do what I did thirty-eight years ago. Ask God to show you the truth, and He will. Just be honest and say, if if you're real, show me. And study the scriptures with, an, read the scriptures with an open mind. Just don't don't go into it with this preconceived idea that it's that it's not true. Read these prophecies and compare them with the revelation of the New Testament. Look at the textual support for. the the New Testament in particular, and you'll see that the evidences begin to add up. And so it it takes more faith not to believe than to believe, in my opinion, Joe.
0: I don't think we can say anything more than that. Jonathan Bernis, Messianic Jewish brother, God bless you, man. Thank you for coming on. And you keep up the good work. I really appreciate you. You too. Jonathan's website is jewishvoice.org. I'll put this link as well as his social media links in the show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash one zero five. That's onfaithsedge.com slash one hundred five. If you want to interact with me, I am most active on Twitter at at for Joe Taylor. That's at F O R J O E T A Y L O R at for Joe Taylor. Or you can contact me at onfaithsedge.com slash contact. I love bringing you engaging conversations about faith. If this show brings value to you in any way whatsoever, Would you consider using any of the Amazon links at OnFaithsEdge.com? We'll get a modest commission from the purchase, but it doesn't cost you a penny more, and it helps us keep the show running. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Rabbi Jonathan Burnus, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you.